0: And welcome, everybody, to another new episode of Nerdstash Presents The Long Box Hunters. That is right, we are back at it again, back at it like a bad habit, back like we never left, because we didn't leave, because this is only our second episode. It is I, Tristan Binns, joined by my spectacular co-host, Drew Garrison. Drew, how you feeling
1: today? Feeling pretty good, I'm excited for this one.
0: I am very excited for this one as well, you know... Uh, everyone who's listening, to this I assume that you saw the title. We're talking new frontier today, but for a little peek behind the curtain, this is this is one that Drew and I we couldn't decide which one we wanted to do first. Whether we wanted to go with this or the Ultimates, we went back and forth on it for a little while. But ultimately, we decided that after the I don't want to say bummer that has Ultimates because it's still like you know a, a sort of a. Well, I don't know if I'd say fun, but like a blockbustery type thing, but it deals with some some heavier things and it's a bit more cynical. So after the cynicism of The Ultimates, we thought that covering something like New Frontier uh it'd be a nice palate cleanser, you know? It's sort of on the mm-hmm. opposite end of the spectrum, you know, a lot of optimism, like it does still deal with some heavy 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 stuff as we'll get into, but you know, it has a more positive outlook on superheroes and their place in society.
1: Mm. Yeah. I also should mention that this that um, there is a movie, an animated movie of the same name.
0: Oh, I'll, I'll, I was gonna get I was gonna get into that later. That's in the that's in the brief synopsis.
1: Oh, my bad. Trust, my bad. trust well, me, me we we're, t- the- we're gonna
0: talk about the movie. We're gonna talk <laughs> about the movie for sure. Uh, but before we get too deep into talking about the new frontier, because this is gonna be a very exciting episode. Drew, what have you? What comics have you been reading lately outside of this? Just in your personal life,
1: I have the unfortunate thing of reading the Spider-Man comics and seeing what they did to my boy Peter.
0: (sighs) Yeah, those are. That's a series that's coming out right now. Amazing. Did I just? Did I just take it off my poll list uh, this week? Who's to say?
1: Uh, Who's to? Who's to say? Did I do the same thing? Who's to say? I
0: mean, you know. We're not going to get, we, we said last week that we want to do, it was either last week or, well, we're recording these weeks apart, last episode, either we either on our first official episode or on our origin episode, we did say we wanted to talk about The Amazing Spider-Man, the current volume, and we definitely will, but we want to, we don't want to go in too deep into it, What I will say is, I think Zeb Wells is a good writer, I like his X-Men stuff a lot, Mm -hmm. Uh, his Hellions and his New Mutants, I like his Avenging Spider-Man a lot. I'm not loving what he's got going on right now, and it's a shame because I—I mean, I think J.R.J.R., J.R. John Romita Jr. I think he's he's still been putting out some pretty good work. Like his his art's still been uh, better than it, it's been in years, if I'll be honest. Because I I wasn't crazy about his uh, his DC stuff when he was over on um, Action Comics, but that's a, that's a whole other conversation. So yeah, that's a that's a bug that's happening. Anything else? Anything you've actually been enjoying?
1: the gargoyles uh comic book that has been coming out uh oh like for...
0: like from the 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 cartoon they have a gargoyles comic. Yes. i didn't realize they had a licensed comic
1: yep greg wiseman is making it oh greg uh, wiseman
0: yep okay <laughs> all right say no more
1: yeah it's five issues in so it's an easy catch-up ongoing to... ongoing ongoing films?
0: nice nice okay all right and you said you've been reading the the thor series
1: Yes, Thor, the it started in twenty twenty. Uh this is when he became the Herald of Galactus, but now he's dealing with like the coming of Thanos and everything. Uh I feel like Thanos is becoming the new Joker for me, and he's my favorite character, so that's bad, because he is overused.
0: He's popping up everywhere. And you know, the <sighs> It's almost like it's diluting the brand a little bit. The same thing happened with Darkseid uh, during the New Fifty Two. Like they kind of just boiled him down to just being a, a Justice League villain and not having any of his, his nuance and gravitas, really. And it's just like, all right, well, we gotta we gotta save these guys for special occasions.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like the and it's like it's kind of sad the same way it's happening because with Darkseid he had small nuances that made him such an interesting villain. And Thanos is the same way. It's like I often talk about how Thanos was not just Mwahah style villain. He had reasons for doing everything he did. And suddenly he's like mustache twirling evil to the point where he literally helped a grandma cross the road just to ruin some girl's life.
0: That's pretty funny though.
1: It's fu- it's funny. It ain't Thanos though. It's not Thanos. Now that
0: would have been like old school dark side cuz that's yes. I think that's part of the difference and you know obviously this is not the main point of our episode but Drew and I like to go on tangents so let's go on a tangent. A lot of people just wanna compare Thanos and Darkseid and obviously there are plenty of similarities to be sure but yeah I think one of the big differences is like you said Thanos was never necessarily that mustache twirly and Darkseid isn't really mustache twirly. In the sense that, like, oh, boy, I'm just gonna blow up the train tracks, because whatever, you know. But even though he's this, like, ancient primordial force, like the Tiger Force at the heart of the universe, he called himself. actually wrote an article Ah. about this recently for uh, Screen Rant that'll be published sometime soon. Even though he's this big calamitous force, Darkseid is also very petty. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So... Darkseid would, I would imagine, have an old lady helped across the street just to ruin somebody else's life, and I think that's the yeah. That somebody there's crossed him. There's a certain yeah. There's a certain level of pettiness to Darkseid that I think Thanos just has no interest in diving into.
1: Yeah, it, being a Thanos fan for the a longest Thanos, time, if you will, <laughs> a Thanos. Yeah, uh, I can say I can say for absolute certainty that the Thanos we're getting today is wholly different. Like, here's the thing. Thanos actually was one of those villains that straddled the line. Like, most people bring up his abuse of Gamora and everything. Many don't know it's like many don't know that originally Gamora walked down that path herself. Thanos literally adopted her and then just kept, took her in as a daughter after her entire species was destroyed. And he kept her away from the violence. Gamora, in her quest for revenge against the person who killed her species, told Thanos, make me into the most dangerous woman alive. And he did. He did. And Gamora betrayed him, ironically. So it's like Thanos' anger... Thanos and Gamora's uh, relationship was actually from betrayal from Gamora's side. But it's recently been Redcon. Nope, Thanos just took her in because she saw death and she was one of the few people who could.
0: There you go. See?
1: It sucks. You know, it's an- it's
0: another one of those situations of the MCU changing the general perception of characters. And, you know, that's gonna happen with any sort of super popular adaptation. So, you know, not not we're not hating on the fact that the MCU itself changes the the relationships, but it does get annoying when stuff from the movies, and this isn't just the MCU, this is DC, anything, whenever the characterizations start bleeding in back into the comics. That's that can be frustrating for everybody.
1: Yeah. And my question is why did it be- is like why did Thanos's characterization go so far into the evil spectrum? When in the MCU he was that reluctant villain. He he um said like I don't want to kill I don't want to kill everyone, but it's like the universe is finite and we need to find a way to save it. It's mm-hmm. like that felt like classic Thanos. I don't yeah. get I don't get wh- how that turned into mustache twirling evil. I abuse my daughter. Ha ha ha. I mean, I will
0: say, though, I do prefer the original Thanos of motivation of he just wanted to impress (laughs) death. Like he was just a (laughs) simp. That's all it was. And I'm like, you know what? That's 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 fun for me. That's fun. That's something that can only work in comics. And while, yes, the, you know, wanting to take out half the universe to save resources like that is a more interesting and nuanced uh, sort of backstory and motivation it's that's a very like movie or or show type of thing. That's and I don't want to say I don't want to say this to sound like elitist or like gatekeepy, but that's that's not a very comic booky thing. You know what I mean? Like obviously, yeah. you know, if you've ever seen a movie or, or whatever, like if you like something with the characters, you're a fan. So I'm not gatekeeping, but I think there is something special about how. Comic books can get away with just really dumb or simple motivations in a way that movies and TV can't. And I feel like when you allow some of that to bleed back into some of those more quote unquote complex when really they're just more palatable for the general audience motivations, whenever those bleed back into the comics, it can take away some of the magic, some of the fun. But, you know, everyone has a different taste. That's just a personal uh, stance of mine. Uh yeah. what have I been reading? I just finished rereading um Grant Morrison's JLA run. Just finished rereading Ooh. that last night. Oh my god, we're going to have to do an episode on that.
1: Well, that could potentially be one of our next episodes cuz I just started rereading that oh, man. because I was like cuz I was like well John's getting Superman blues powers and yeah. now I'm kind of just you get, getting just you nostalgic. Want...
0: Yeah. Grant Morrison's use of Superman Blue was the best Superman Blue. I'm just, also, I think we can agree on that.
1: Yeah, also, it's like, I get he wasn't popular when he came out, but I was a huge fan of Superman Blue. I
0: I used to have a a Superman Blue action figure, like, up until high school, I need to get another one. I love Superman Blue, I think Superman Blue should make a comeback we talked about this in college if i had my way superman would still be <laughs> superman <blue. laughs> um see so yeah, i've been reading see, that w- uh see,
1: see if you did that i wouldn't want connor to be the new superman since oh, he yeah. w- since at the time his character i hey pretty you much know put him i like john
0: just fine but do i have an article on screen rant saying connor earned the right to be superman long before john was created yeah i did but I digress. Um, in terms of singles, uh, you know, but still keeping up with Action Comics, I want to give a special shout-out. Uh, this week, when we're recording this, was the debut of the new number one for Green Arrow by Joshua Williamson and Sean E. I don't know how to pronounce it. I feel terrible because he's a fantastic artist and, and, you know, he he absolutely crushed it. There's some great emotional moments in there. Hold on. Give me a second. How to Drew, vamp for time while I'm trying to I don't know. about what Sean, whatever your name is, however it's pronounced, I'm sorry for butchering it, but you're a fantastic artist, and God, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this, this new Green Arrow series. It's nice to see the Arrow family back together.
1: Yeah, I haven't read it, but I did see the design for his costume, oh and that, it's like, it's like they took the, his, the CW Spectre idea and like made a costume around it. I mean, have you seen the, the design for Roy? uh i have not let me look that up real quick
0: look it up real quick because roy looks fantastic roy it's it's probably my favorite look for roy outside of his red arrow look but that was literally just the green arrow costume but red um but yeah no the the current green arrow series that just started very exciting um it was initially just supposed to be a mini series but it's been upgraded to a maxi series due to fan demand and who knows we get enough people reading it, it could become ongoing so that is very exciting
1: oh my god he looks
0: healthy he does look healthy doesn't it
1: yeah it's like when i first saw it i was like that's roy it's like he he's not in his dumb trucker hat i mean all right i like the
0: trucker hat well enough
1: but i like the trucker hat well enough but i felt like it got dumb after a while and this it looks so good. He
0: he d- it, it combines the best parts of his 90s outfit when he was with the Titans with like some of the more quote-unquote modern stuff with the new new 52.
1: Yeah. And Black Canary is looking good in this too. Oh, Who's Black the person Canary's behind behind Green Arrow on the cover?
0: Uh, Connor with the
1: Oh, his son.
0: Yeah, his son. Connor's back. Well, Connor's been back, but Connor also looks great. And I appreciate the way they have them using different types of bows. Like, they got Connor using the longbow, Oliver's using a recurve, uh, Roy's using a compound bow, and like little uh, crossbow pistols. It, it's it's really exciting stuff.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen him since the Lazarus tournament, and I didn't like his look in that one, if I'm being honest. I liked it well enough. Um, you know, this this look is slightly
0: more superheroic but it's still playing from a lot of those same design themes. Yeah. But enough about what we're currently reading. Drew, as we always have an- another, well, I can't say always because this is only the second episode with the structure, but this is something As we're we keep always
1: doing. are going to have. As
0: we always are going to do, what's a random little comic or continuity factoid that cracks you up?
1: Oh. <laughs> okay, so uh- Keeping with the Thor theme, because I just, rem- just remember this one a few days ago, and I thought it was hilarious. But, you know Thor's indestructible hammer Mjolnir, which can only really be destroyed if Thor uses his full power, or if a reality warper decides to, like, say, oh, I want to, like, hurt it? hmm So, one time Thor had the hammer chipped. Don't ask how it was chipped. It doesn't matter. Comics. And a small slither of it fell, and a frog got a hold of it and became, uh, and became, f- um, Frog Thor. When he called Throg. <laughs> yeah, most people call him Throg, but the Frog of Thunder. The Frog of Thunder, but ironically, this is the second time a frog has held Mule Mjoln- a Mjolnir because Thor got turned into a frog. He did
0: get turned to frog. One that the eighty 80- that was during the Waltz Amazon run, right? Yes. We need to have a crisis on infinite throgs, I think yeah, a crisis into, on into, infinite in, into throgs. the throgverse.
1: yeah, but it's like it's so weird it's so weird to me that it not only happened twice but it was two different frogs
0: two there you go that is I yeah, I never realized they were two separate frogs i i mm-hmm. mean i, I Yes, I realized that Throg is a different character than regular Thor, but for some reason I never really put two and together. It's like, oh yeah, there was a frog using Mjolnir twice. It just never clicked for me for some reason.
1: Huh. Yeah. So um, Throg is Simon Walterson. Uh, he was a human who was cursed to become a frog by a mm. mystic. And uh, he was called Puddlegup when we first met him. Mm. So See,
0: that name sounds more familiar. Yeah. What did I? What did I just read him in? I feel like there was a. <sighs> he was, was in it, the
1: Mighty Thor back in 2017.
0: No, but there was something since then where he w- he had to team up with somebody. Was it?
1: Oh, it was Lockjaw in the Pet Avengers.
0: Yeah. Okay. That I yeah, wanted to say, it, but I couldn't remember if it was Pet Avengers or if it was in. The it wasn't in the was it a the Miss Marvel? There was something where I'm like, why is this is random? Like, why is is Throg showing up here? Either uh, way, gr- he's a fun character, so I'm not complaining.
1: But yeah, it was, and I'm it pretty sure it was Pet Avengers, because it was an alternate universe story. Mm. It's, it's a bit weird. It's a bit weird, but, you know, that's comics.
0: As for my random fact of the day, let me think. Well, actually, I just saw this on, uh, on, on Twitter. Did not realize that when Mary and Richard Parker, uh, Peter Parker's parents, found out they were pregnant, they, like Wolverine was there. They had like, just done a mission with Wolverine. So oh. Wolverine was there when, when they realized that they were pregnant with Peter Parker. And apparently he was using the alias Peter Richards, so Spider-Man may be named after Wolverine.
1: Okay, so he's named after him. They're blood brothers. They are blood brothers. I think Peter said if, if he ever got married in costume, Wolverine would be his best man.
0: I don't know when that would have been said. I would have expected it. Where, where are you getting that information?
1: It was during their um, time travel journey when they became blood brothers, and it seemed like Spider-Man was going to uh, like get married to a chick With they thought they were stuck in that time period. Well, yeah, but
0: it. at that point, none of his other superhero friends were there.
1: I'm just saying, if, if Spider-Man's ever getting
0: married in costume, and the Human Torch or even Daredevil aren't the best man, but Wolverine is, there's going to be a lot of questions.
1: I can understand that. I would put the Human Torch above Daredevil, though. I, I like mean, Daredevil. I would, I would
0: put, I would rank it Human Torch, then Daredevil, and then yeah. lower down on, I would even put, like, Luke Cage above Wolverine, maybe. Oh, I don't know if I would do that. I don't know. All the street, because here's the thing, I love the Spider-Man-Wolverine dynamic, but I feel like all the street level heroes are really, really tight, you know? Wolverine, yeah. he, he occasionally hangs out with the street levels, but he's always doing X-Men stuff, you know?
1: Yeah. With all of the street-level characters being an Avenger at some point, I would love for there to be a team called the Street Avengers and just be of the street-level characters.
0: I mean, that's what New Avengers was for a while, back when, you know...
1: Okay, New going, Avengers but. had literally, had literally Omega-level beings on them. Yeah, not but not until,
0: like, not during, like, the Civil War or whatever, when it split between New Avengers and then Mighty Avengers. I mean, they had Doctor Strange, but that was it. Like, then everyone else was, was street-level it was Doctor Strange being all, you know, God-tier. And then it was Luke, Iron Fist, Spider-Man, Wolverine, Hawkeye, Echo. Yeah. And Wolverine also got the
1: Iron Fist for a quick sec. That was cool. (sighs) Comics
0: are weird. Comics are (laughs) weird. But enough about Marvel. That's not what we're here to talk about today. All right? We, We touched on it earlier. You guys saw the title. We are here to talk about DC, The New Frontier by Darwin Cook. And, you know... Darwin Cook wrote and drew the shit out of this thing, put his whole foot in it, and he fucking killed it. But, also gotta give credit on this, especially to the uh, colorer, the colorist, and the the letterist, uh, Dave Stewart and Jared K. Fletcher. Because I think, with this specifically, like the lettering and the colors goes absolutely crazy. So here's a quick synopsis, paraphrased and rewritten from Wikipedia. DC The New Frontier is an Eisner, Harvey, and Schuster award winning six issue limited series written and drawn by Darren Cook, with colors from Dave Stewart and letters by Jared K. Fletcher, published by DC in 2004. Influenced by both DC Comics' long history and series like Kingdom Come, The Golden Age, Watchmen, and The Dark Knight Returns, New Frontier is set primarily in the 1950s and depicts Golden Age superheroes Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman meeting Silver Age characters like the Flash, Green Lantern, and Martian Manhunter and bridges the gap between the end of the Golden Age and the beginning of the Silver Age in the DC Universe while also playing heavily into political themes like the American Dream and the Cold War. It's a long-ass sentence. I probably could have split that up, but, you know, can't change the past. The series was collected (laughs) into two trade paperback volumes in 2004 and 2005, an absolute edition in 2006, which I own, and a deluxe edition in 2015, which I also have sitting right next to me. The story was adapted into an animated film, Justice League The New Frontier, which was released on February 26, 2008. Drew, there we go. That's why I said we were going to be talking on the movie, because that is where I first encountered this story. Same. Yeah, so before we dive into the meat of the episode, and boy, this is going to be a meaty one, because God, this is just this is one of my favorite DC stories. So I'm I'm going to be very excited to talk about it. Hope no vegans are listening. Well, if, you know, it's, let's hope it's a cheat day for them, because we ain't we ain't holding back on the meats. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Taylor never should have let us have our own show, nope. but. Part of why we have we are able to have our own show is because of the wonderful website called thenerdstash.com. That's right, everyone. If you are looking for the best place to get your gaming and entertainment news, check out thenerdstash.com. It has a plethora, just an armada, a cavalcade, if you will, of very talented writers and content creators such as us, such as ourselves, such as we, however you wanna you know categorize Drew and Drew and I. Uh, who are making it their mission to give people the latest news in the world of gaming, movies, television, tech, comics, just all the the nerdy crap that you care about. But that's not all. Are you looking to get your start in the game and entertainment journalism field? Or are you someone who's just looking to build on your ever-growing resume? Regardless of your experience, consider applying to join the writing team over at the NerdStash. You can find the link for the NerdStash in the description of this very episode, regardless of whatever platform you're listening to us on, and also in the description, you'll find a link that'll direct you to any open positions we've got over on the site. All you gotta do is click on that link, follow the instructions, and then Bob's your uncle, you're off to the races, you got a shot at joining the big leagues, kid. And yeah who else tries to join the big leagues? Drew?
1: uh is it does it happen to be martian manhunter or are we going to talk about hal jordan
0: i mean i was going to talk about the flash but also martian manhunter and hal jordan they do join the big leagues in this story so let's just get, get into a general discussion before we get into our big three questions our trinity of questions drew how you feel about new frontier
1: oh i love this story i love it a like, man of
0: culture that's what you are <laughs>
1: Well, my best friend is one of, is the arbiter of culture. I need to have some of that rub off on me.
0: I mean, if 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 you have gained nothing from just the the years of interacting with me, I would hope you would at least gained a taste of the culture. Mm-hmm. Just a taste, just a smidgen, a morsel, if you will.
1: A morsel, but yeah, I love the I love the story. I love the art. I love what it. Uh, tackles and everything and rereading this i realized i had forgotten the first issue of it because Oh
0: yeah you did text what, me about this you did text yeah i forgot how much of the losers were in it <laughs> yeah which sounds fun to say for people who have no context over the new frontier
1: i know but uh if you have no context the losers are a team of military personnel and they are anything but losers but they will tell you over and over again that they are losers. That's just
0: their company name. It's a cool name, you know.
1: Yeah, but uh, they're au- they're awesome. The best way I could the best way I could talk about them is that pick for those of you who know a little bit about the Howling Commandos from Captain America, they're kind of like that. Yeah, with no Captain America, they're just regular dudes.
0: There's some guys yeah. out there doing the missions that nobody else can handle you know
1: and shooting some dinosaurs and
0: shooting some dinosaurs because boy are there a lot of dinosaurs in this story here's the thing people if you don't know anything about new frontier i mean we gave you the synopsis but it's so much more than that there's a lot of dinosaurs there's a lot of political intrigue um some aliens involved some aliens squid people alien dinosaurs technically Oh, yeah, that's true. Alien dinosaurs. Well, are they aliens? No, but it's like the thing that generates them alien. This is one of those ones where it's similar to the Ultimates, where I do want people to read this for themselves, so I'm trying not to spoil too much of it. But, I mean, it. let's put it this way. It's a DC story, so Superman and Marshman are there. Aliens are involved. That's not a spoiler. Um, yeah. But this, even though this story is not in continuity, well, not in continuity, just the main... Ish yeah it's continuity it's it's in the multiverse um i think that this is a this is definitely a good thing for people to read in the terms of it's a great introduction to just the general world of the dc universe even though it is a period piece
1: yeah it's a it's a period piece but it was written to be that way because this was written during the uh the dark gritty eras of comics as it slowly switched over thanks to stuff like watchmen the dark knight Returns and so much more. Well, this was like a
0: good twenty years after Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns.
1: Well, well, yeah, it was. It was. It was in the. It was in the nineties and stuff. But it was. No, this like, was
0: in the early two thousands.
1: Oh, I thought it was the nineties.
0: No, this was published two thousand four. Were you not listening to the synopsis, Drew? Honestly, I felt like
1: I knew everything I knew what. Well, clearly was. you did not. <laughs> clearly, I did New not. New Frontier was released in two thousand four. Chief wow okay so uh roast me in the com in the comments for that but i'll uh, roast you right now oh yeah i know you will but i'm talking to our uh well, i'm talking to our listeners roast well, me in the fair. comments for this <laughs> but uh yeah this, from the interviews i heard this was some this was uh written up to be a response to that and to like that's true harken back to the silver age yeah it's definitely it
0: definitely reads as a response to that sort of you know grit and cynicism which i think is you know part of why we ultimately decided to do ultimates first and then this because ultimates you know dropped what 2001 2002 but it was while it was a sort of an one of the prime examples of that sort of new style of, like, big blockbuster storytelling. It definitely was a, however you want to phrase it, a victim of, a perpetrator of that sort of dark, quote-unquote more mature, you know, storytelling which really just borders on gratuitous and just cynical and, you know, not that, oh, comics always have to be light-hearted, but there is... You know, a certain joy that is inherent in superhero comics, or at least yeah. that is inherent to the specific superhero universes of, you know, I, I would say at least DC, but Marvel, I don't know. That, see, that's the funny thing. I, and this is another, we you know, we talk about the movies a lot, but this is actually like an interesting thing that I've always noticed ever since i mean i guess since man of steel or not even man of steel really even before that like with the dark knight with the perception from the general public that like oh you know dc is always so dark and gritty and Marvel was the fun one growing up like that never i never had that perception like i mean outside yeah. movies as someone who reads the comics like obviously there's you know joy and fun and also darkness and mature storytelling in both universes but for my money, I always, you know, as I was growing up, thought of DC as the more, not necessarily grandiose, but it was a more comic booky universe. Like it was more fun and bombastic, whereas Marvel did feel more grounded and real. And I mean, for all intents and purposes, darker. I mean, part of why, you know, when Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and Bill Everett and everyone working during the the boom of Marvel during the Silver Age, part of why they chose to set most of the stories in New York was because they wanted to make it feel real. You know, they wanted that world outside your window feeling. So I personally Mm -hmm. always considered DC to be the lighter one. And obviously, you know, it fluctuates, but I feel like this story, getting back to New Frontier, is one of the prime examples of DC being this sort of not necessarily lighter but more optimistic universe and by setting it in this period between the golden age and the silver age which in the time period in the book it is a period of great darkness and in real in the real world or in the 50s and 60s it was this great You know, there was this political intrigue. Like we had the Red Scare, the Cold War, like the Civil Rights Era. There was a lot of dark shit going down, but also back then the comics, you know, the stories were. There was this optimism. There was it was while it was more for kids back then. Like that doesn't necessarily take away from the merit of the joy that it brought to people. And I think. This story reframes that time period and those stories that back then were for kids, but it modernizes it and it matures it in a way that any reader can enjoy this while also not losing that same spark of joy that was inherent to the DC Universe at that time. And I think to a certain extent will always be inherent to the DC Universe.
1: Agreed. It the new frontier really does like it keeps to its namesake by making it feel as though since it's like the end of World War Two in the um in the comic and everything it's, yeah, it's like the, world, the it new goes from World War Two to the end of uh Korea yeah so it it's like it it feels like that the story's always pushing towards the the new frontier. Mm. For lack of a better way of saying it, I mean, it's like we're seeing the the, new-
0: the end of the book literally has JFK's New Frontier speech in its entirety. Well, almost its entirety, I think.
1: Yeah, and uh, the story really does like push for you to recognize, like, yeah, there's some dark stuff, but it doesn't stop you from pushing twor- or pushing towards the light and seeing yeah. the beauty of it and the hope and optimism. No, 100%.
0: And I think that really is like, you know, not every story has to have a message. But I think if we were going to attribute a message to the New Frontier, it would be just keep pushing forward. And if we work together, things will get better. Like that's in in its most simplistic terms, I think that's what it would be. And like they literally have the Justice League come together. And this, I mean, they don't ever actually name them that, but that's essentially what this is. It's an origin for the Justice yeah. coming together and forging that uh, that new frontier.
1: And we literally see them fight sorrow. And we do see in them fight the sorrow in final... the end. Oh, God, it's such a good yeah. fucking moment.
0: Um, <laughs> so, I mean, we that's a little more in depth for our general discussion than we normally were. We'll plan on getting. We normally say that for the questions, but I'm not complaining because, like we said, this is this is a very good story that we're gonna have a lot to say about. So. Moving on to our big three questions. We kind of answered this, but, you know, why did we want to talk about this story? Drew, do you have anything to add other than we thought it would be a good rebuttal for the Ultimates and it's just a fucking banger?
1: If I'm going to be honest, I did want to talk about this also because Martian Manhunter is one of the central figures. That's true. And I love Martian Manhunter. It is a great
0: John Jones showing in this story.
1: Yeah, I love Martian Manhunter and I'll take any excuse to just talk about him.
0: Well, we yeah we we can save that for how we feel about character portrayals, but that's mm-hmm. fair. I think this is like I said, this is a good introduction to the DC universe as a whole, and it's a great introduction to these characters. And as such, even outside of just treating it as a good rebuttal against the Ultimates, we talked about how the Ultimates was a more quote unquote, you know, just the cynical nature of it aside. Um, it was a more i mean it was twenty years ago at this point uh, a <laughs> more modern introduction to the Marvel Universe and you know the Avengers and these and these characters in the way that the new frontier mirrors or responds to the cynicism of ultimates this introduce this introduction of the Justice League is a response to the ultimate's more modern telling by harkening back to this older time period. I think it's in a lot of ways they're just very interesting inverses of one another even outside of just the the general themes. And part of why I wanted to talk about this was because you know, uh, I don't know if you've seen this. I think we've talked about this, but there are a lot of rumors of this being potentially the basis for the rebooted Justice League you know, movie in James Gunn's new DCU. So that just seemed, yeah. it seemed apropos to talk about this now while we're getting this rebirth, you know, pun intended, of the DC movie universe. And while we ourselves are launching our own, you know, comic podcast, it's it's nice to get a good Marvel introduction followed by a good DC introduction.
1: Yeah. It's like Tristan, I know, he will pick DC over Marvel every day. Yes. I will go either side and I like both universes. I love... The stories in both and everything. So. I like the X-Men. I,
0: yeah, you like, I like Daredevil. You like X-Men. You, you know, like Spider-Man and, Spider-Man and, and Spider-Man, Daredevil and everything. But otherwise, yeah. Fantastic Four.
1: Cool. <laughs> I love the Fantastic Phantom I love Four, the Fantastic great. Four. I love the Walt Simonson run. I yeah. just
0: read that. That was great. But yeah, you know, I'm an oh, DC yeah. guy.
1: Yeah, we're going to have to talk about one of my boys, Jonathan Hickman, and his runs on uh, fantastic four and stuff trust me they're they're on the list i've been putting together
0: i just <laughs> i just finally got my i've read it before but i finally managed to get my hand on some copies of the the complete collections for jonathan hickman's fantastic four
1: i have the complete collection and i was so mad because i heard a rumor that he was going to be at DragonCon one year when, when we were in college mm-hmm. he was not there damn, and i damn had jonathan. it in my backpack damn jonathan letting us down how could you? no? I, it was it was a it was a rumor. He wasn't confirmed, but I was just like scrolling through trying to find any evidence that it was true.
0: I can't say I blame. I can't say I blame. You. So I think we've been clitty, pretty, pretty clear. Pretty <laughs> clear, uh, you know. Taylor, you can scratch that if you want or don't. I don't know. Maybe you'll give the the listeners a little titillation. Um, you
1: but we, ironically, <laughs> my mind went first to uh, Clitty Clop, like uh, the. Uh, the shoes for tap dancing oh okay <laughs> Well, that's a
0: different place but sure i will see drew there's just the difference between you and i you're just such an innocent soul and i'm just a, just am a I? dirty old man i mean you're slightly more innocent than i am
1: but if you re- that's if you that's a conversation hey, hey,
0: hey that's that's a conversation for long box hunters after dark you know maybe <laughs> maybe whenever we're talking about sex criminals by matt fraction and chip Zdarsky then we can, you know, get into that sort of stuff. Which, side note, it's a great series. I want you to read it after you're done with yes. New Frontier. So anyway, <laughs> we have been pretty clear about why we want to talk about New Frontier. But Drew, what do you think this story does for, not necessarily just the continuity of the DC universe, because it is on its own world, but what do you think it does or has to say about the mythos of DC? We've kind of touched on this, but I want you—I want to hear more, more of your in-depth thoughts about this.
1: Well, I feel like this story and its success did help shift the DC universe because DC during the during the two thousands was shifting towards a lot more darker storytelling and everything. It wasn't just because of uh of uh the nineties and everything, but it was also like leading up to several big storylines, what we like to call the Crisis sequels, because we got. Um, we got, um, Infinite Crisis and Final Crisis and it was, and those were lead ups to that during the 2000s. So, but, um, I feel like the focus on hope helped make sure that DC also focused on hope and optimism and that heroes can have those gritty moments everything, but you still got to push for hope and optimism and show that the world, while it can be, while it can be crappy, it's like just adding to the crap ain't going to change anything. You actually have to be someone willing to push beyond it and show that there is hope and optimism in the world that you can go towards. Mm -hmm.
0: And I can see that. I don't necessarily know if I would pin all of my hopes on saying that DC put this out as a reminder of that sort of hope and optimism, but what I do think is that I mean, this is this was very clearly like a love letter from Darwin Cook to DC Comics, mm-hmm. specifically to the Golden and Silver Age. But I think in terms of what this brings to the mythos, in a lot of ways, I think this is the purest or one of the purest DC Comics stories out there. And I don't mean pure in terms of like content, like, oh, it's just so optimistic and lighthearted and it's just it's just super fun because <laughs> no there's some dark shit in here but i mean it's such a pure distillation of where the dc universe came from and what so many of these characters stand for uh to readers and to creators and just you know audiences in general like even if they've only seen the movies like so many of these character portrayals are in a lot of ways what these characters are just right at their core and having them in that almost not necessarily simplistic but most mm, in their most iconic i would say it really boils down and distills the dc universe to what it was and what it could be again uh well at the time what it could be again because i like to think we've gotten there uh you know in recent years ups and downs like you know stories in general have been trending darker for the last few decades but we've had some pretty solid moments of optimism that i think not necessarily rival new frontier because in a lot of ways i think new frontier is in a tier of its own uh uh, yeah thank you but things that echo that sort of uh that sort of optimism and that sort of purity. Like things when they first launched DC Rebirth or the first launch of Infinite Frontier. Even now that we're in the dawn of DC in the comics, there is that focus on, you know, like building a path forward. And I think that superhero comics in general, and this isn't, you know, I'm not just only going to focus on dc with this because you know like a lot of a lot of marvel like it is you know like we said that realism that world outside your window but with a lot of those stories and and those characters as human and mortal as they may be it is a big part of like you know we can do better and i think that's something inherent to superheroes as a whole but Obviously New Frontier is a DC story, so it's only focusing on it'd be very confusing if, you know, Spider-Man just swung by in the background while they were fighting the center. Um It would be cool. It'd be really cool. It wouldn't make any sense, but it'd be really cool. Um but yeah, no, I think I'm I'm you know, I'm I'm rambling just because I love this story. But this is as for what this did for the mythos, I think this is really just one of the purest distillations of what DC comics is. And it's also one of those, those things where if someone asked me like, Hey, what's a, like, I want to get into these, I've only ever watched the Marvel movies. Like I want to get into DC. Like what, what are some of the things to read? Like, this is always one of the things I recommend. It's a good recommendation. It's a great recommendation. Some would say. So this leads us to question number three, which I feel like we've answered in multiple ways already, but why should you, the audience, the listener, whatever you want to call yourselves. Why should you care about this? And as always, well, maybe not always. Because we're probably gonna talk about some stinkers on this uh, <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> just you know, to keep it fresh. Why should you care? Because it's a damn good story. It's totally self-contained. You don't have to read anything else other than these six issues. And I feel like you can walk away having a pretty good understanding of the major players of the DC universe and just you know having had a great time. And also because it might be leading to a new Justice League movie. You know, it might be the first yeah. of that. So if you want to, here's the thing. You know, you might just be regular Joe on the street. You, you got a friend who's just an uber nerd like us. And they're like pushing up their glasses like, oh, I bet you don't even know that the new Justice League movie is going to be based on New Frontier. Like, you don't even know what that's about. If you listen to this and then you read this, then bam, you can be like, actually, I do know what the New Frontier is about, Craig. And then you can, you know, just face them. You can you can serve them on a silver platter, a big scoop, a nerd knowledge courtesy of your boys Tristan and Drew. So that's an option for anyone yeah, who has with a, a row, side
1: so. of humble pie. A
0: uh, side who who doesn't love a, a nice slice of humble pie? I'll tell you who the one getting humbled. <laughs> so there you go. Now, Drew, do you have anything to add about why people should care about this, or can we just get to the the other questions we got? the other topics. I think
1: we can get to the other question because I think you did a really great job of just putting it all out there. Well, man. thank you. I try.
0: I try. Now there's a question. This is a section that I know you want to talk about. How do we feel about certain character portrayals? Go off. Cause I know you're a big Martian Manhunter guy.
1: <laughs> Ooh, banger. Awesome. Love it. Ooh. Okay. So Martian Manhunter's origin is always something that's sort of been changing in DC. Like sometimes it's a Zeta tube experiment. Sometimes it's just a random scientist who is working with teleportation. I feel like it's always Saul Dell though. He's always there. Yeah, he's always there. And poor guy, like, just, can never survive. Just
0: man, just sees an alien, oh, like a hamster that gets scared by a cat. You know, he's just, he just kills over.
1: Yeah, also, you were working with teleportation, but you had a heart that's weak enough to be scared to death. Well, he
0: wasn't trying to, he was just trying to send a signal. Like he was trying to communicate with Mars. The teleportation was an accident. He accidentally made a teleporter and transported uh It's John. still
1: aliens enough to make your heart jump. I feel like he shouldn't have been in the field.
0: Yeah, I mean at this point you you'd guess that like, oh, someone an alien responds to him, he has a heart attack, you know? Like it's his we we have questions. I got questions about Solard El's yeah. uh you know, his his medical history for sure.
1: Yeah, definitely. But I do love his portrayal in this story because the because normally times he just dies and Martian Manhunter is like just next to a dead body, but in this one, even with his failing heart, the moment he sees Martian Manhunter, I mean, well after he sees Martian Manhunter because he's dying, but he like he like warns him, hey, humanity's got some problems and everything. You might want to hide yourself, but don't forget to see the hope in humanity and everything, and it just. It's just some nice, awesome moments of seeing of the story just being in a distilled moment. And yeah, this is also just very sad. <laughs> it, Yeah, it's really sad. But uh, dude still is pretty, pretty solid dude for like looking out for this random alien. He accidentally teleported. In his he's lap. like,
0: he's like, dude, my bad. I'm sorry. I'm dying. Like <laughs> humanity kind of sucks. I made a big mistake. I'm
1: so sorry. Whoever you are. Uh. <laughs> uh yeah. But uh adding on to that, I do also love uh John's personality in this one. It's like he's very he's very much like he's very much like this alien who is a bit lost on this planet, but he's also like experienced. You can tell like he knows what he wants to do. He wants to help. He he wants to help people and he also wants to be a detective and everything, my favorite scene with John has to be him just shifting through his, the different uh T V channels and practicing his shape shifting or just doing it for fun, who knows. But uh and in that moment he decides, I'm going to become a detective and I'm going to help the wor- and I'm gonna help this world that way. And it's like, oof, lo- it's... love it. He does Yeah. Go ahead.
0: No, 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 no. I was just gonna say it is a very like not necessarily Simple. It's an old-fashioned, you know, sort of mindset, and you see that a lot with the way that Jean is portrayed, because he's only getting, you know, his knowledge of, like, human right and wrong from television. So, you know, you see Slam Bradley making fun of him, like, why is this guy, like, why is he so corny? Like, why is he like, oh, you know, golly gee, we gotta catch these crooks, because (laughs) he just got his information from television, this is what he knows.
1: Yep. But John's uh, his analyzation of humanity is pretty much one of the centerpieces of the story, and John's eventual realization that while humanity may be flawed, it is fund it does have its fundamentals in hope, goodness, and optimism. It's just really na- it's just really nice to see that come from Martian Manhunter, because I think a lot of Martian Manhunter stories have become melodramatic as time goes on. Mm-hmm. And just like seeing John being able to see like the beauty in the simpl- in some of humanity's simplicities, but also its courage and bravery as well, it just re- it just really warms my heart. And it's one of my favorite character portrayals of Martian Manhunter to this day. It's a damn good Martian Manhunter story. Like in.
0: Obviously, this this title is, you know, DC, The New Frontier. So, it's about the DC Universe as a whole. But the three main characters really are Martian Manhunter, Hal Jordan, and Barry Allen, I would say. Like, it really is these three Silver Age characters. Like, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman are definitely present. Like, they're definitely big pieces of the story. But they are, I don't want to say window dressing or, or background characters, but this... It's much less of an introduction for who they are because, you know, it's like They're the big you, three. They're the big three attorney. You know who Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman are. Like, that's just they are DC. Um, so it is a in terms of character portrayals, it does really focus on Jean, Hal, and Barry. I will say, this is one of my favorite Hal Jordans. You know, I'm a I'm a big Hal Jordan guy. It's my favorite character. This is definitely yeah. one of my favorite iterations. Like Darwin Cook really just gets what's great about Hal, um and it's super cool having Hal like you know set during the time of the space race when he you know would have been a real character actually, that's another thing we didn't talk about so with a lot of these uh because it's go- the golden age to the Silver Age, Superman Batman, and Wonder Woman they're already active, you know because that's when they you know they were already characters that were around during the golden age, but in the story, when Flash gets his powers, when Martian Manhunter appears, when uh, Hal gets his ring, like their debuts as superheroes match when they were first published as those superheroes in reality. So, in New yeah. Frontier, Barry gets struck by lightning in you know 1956 and becomes the Flash. In real life, the first his first issue was the Flash was published in 1956. So that's just a cool. Way to to build it into to reality, uh, and just to build out the world of this universe, and essentially, you know, create this legacy. Because you know, even though people like to be like, oh, you know, there's only one Green Lantern, a door Jordan, you know, Barry's real Flash, like Barry and Hal are also legacy characters.
1: Yeah, it's like there were Golden Age versions of them, Jay Garrick for the Flash. And Alan Scott as uh, Green Lantern, and it's like they're they're they they're the originals, and they're awesome, and they're awesome in their own right. They are incredible, yeah. Um, as for
0: other character portrayals, though, I do love Barry, and this is one of my favorite Barry Allen stories because generally I prefer Wally, but. That's because I don't like that <laughs> Barry came back and stole the spotlight. But with this, it's Barry in his early days, like in his quote-unquote prime. So, you know, he, he has a place here and he's great. And I love his relationship with Iris. One character, well, there are two character portrayals that I don't dislike, but I do feel like are different than what we normally get. So they just bear uh, discussion. Um, one is Wonder Woman. And yeah, it doesn't necessarily. It's not all the way like new, new fifty-two levels of Wonder Woman, which is like I kill my enemies. Like when I deal with my enemies, I deal with them. But this is a Wonder Woman who is not necessarily bloodthirsty, but she is more of a warrior. Has more of that edge to her. Like you can see it when she, uh, you know, allows the the POWs to kill their captors. Like there is a more. Yeah. I guess it's more martial. Uh, a more a more martial culture of the Amazons than you normally see in the new continuity. And I do think, while it's not necessarily how I love for Wonder Woman to be portrayed, portrayed in this, I do think it provides an interesting contrast and in foil to Superman and Batman. Because then you have Batman who... Batman is still Batman in this. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. this is... I mean, it's Batman. Like, he's probably the most Batman he can be. But, and has
1: some of the coldest lines yeah.
0: in his history. Oh, he's history. he's great in this. But then you have uh, Superman, whose other whose portrayal is very much the, the. I feel like this portrayal of Superman, even though it's doing so intentionally and it's playing on it, this is almost what the general public who complains about Superman thinks he is. Like, oh, he's just this, you know, stew this truth, justice in the American way. Like he's boring. You know, he's a centrist, whatever. But this story plays with that very intentionally, in a way where Lois, is, Lois and other people like Lois Wonder Woman, even Batman, like you can't just sit on the sidelines like we need a leader because clearly the government's not you know doing anything helpful, they're all too busy with this red scare, like we got this McCarthy jerk running around calling everybody communist, um yeah, but having that sort of centrism contrasted with diana who you know is you know being a little bit more hardcore and he's like diana you can't do this we sound as loyalty oaths," and she's like loyalty oaths don't mean diddly over here like and she has the great line she's like there's the door space man i'm like huh." huh. Ooh,
1: love ooh, that ooh.
0: line love that line also i love the way that wonder is portrayed as like the tallest person and yeah this. wonder woman should always be taller than superman in my opinion i want i if we're doing a uh, a height ranking for the Trinity, Wonder Woman needs to be tallest, Superman in the middle, Batman slightly shorter. Yeah, because Superman. I only
1: see Batman as slightly shorter, just because Superman got grew up with that yellow sun yeah. uh, diet.
0: Well, Superman's supposed to be six three, and Batman's supposed to be six two. So it's still, you know, they're close, but Superman's got that edge. But Batman weighs yeah. twenty five pounds more because he's just he's more shredded. Because he's a human. He has to work for those. So Superman, yes, that's right. We're so nerdy. We know the weight and height of comic characters. <laughs> Superman is 225 pounds. Batman is 250. Yep. So. Yeah. Get, get on their level. Get on their level, guys. Get on their level. Uh, I'm, You know, I might be getting up to Superman weight, but not in terms of muscle. I'll tell you what. I'm trying to get there. But, you know, that Lexapro. I'm I got, i I'm developing a little bit of a spare tire, but it's fine. I'm still chiseled uh, facially. It's, it's all great. My
1: spare tire has slowly been going down from college. Thank well, God. Well,
0: there you go. Maybe I'm siphoning it off somehow. It's, you're just sending it in in my direction, but it's fine because I have a dump truck ass, and that's what the fans want to hear about. <laughs> anyway, again, we'll save that for Long Box Hunters After Dark when we cover things like sex criminals. <laughs> oh no, saga. Sex Criminals, good book. Everyone read it. It's great. But no, overall, I think the character portrayals in this story are great. It's these characters that they're most iconic. And even though for so much of it, like the only, for the most part, the only superheroes you see interact for the majority of it are Superman and Wonder Woman and then Superman and Batman. You don't really get to see all three of them together unless you read the little special backstory that they have in the deluxe edition that's not part of the main six. For the most part, it follows these characters individually, and just them reacting with, you know, other humans, like, you know, government agents, all that. And when it finally gets to the climax, you know, no spoilers, um, but when it finally gets to the climax, and they all finally come together, it's not just the Justice League. It's so many characters, and it feels... Almost more realistic that way because it's like, oh, this is a threat that we can't handle on our own. So it's not just, all right, these group of costumed people are going to go fight. It's like, no, look, like, we all have to come together and become something greater than ourselves. It really is like these individual characters become parts of a greater whole. And I think that is a really interesting way to frame that first get-together of these characters. And I'm very curious to see if that's something they replicate in the uh, in the DCU.
1: Yeah, although I I don't think we're going to have that awesome magical banquet that we had at the beginning of the 6th issue. And that saddens me, because yeah, I, I don't think Billy Batson has ever gotten to just sit down with Dr. Fate and the... Uh, the Phantom Stranger. Yeah, and the Phantom and Stranger. And the Spectre.
0: The Spectre's there. Zatanna's there. Like, you got yep. all the heavy hitters.
1: All the heavy magic hitters. Yeah. Oof. Oof. What a
0: when are we going to get Phantom Stranger in the DCU that's what I want to know
1: <laughs> I don't know if like the people will be ready for that because Phantom Stranger he's like he's like Uatu but more mysterious and
0: he starts well it's not that he starts every sentence with Stranger but anytime Phantom Stranger appears when he first shows up at that interaction he finds some way to slip the word stranger into the sentence announcing his presence mm-hmm. that's just his, his thing and you know what we love that for him, but Drew, I got a question for you, and what, it's what it's you? kind of a it's kind of a two parter. So we talked about this with uh, the Ultimates, but how well do you think the story has aged? But as a as a follow up, as an addendum, as a sub question, whatever you want to call it, especially with today's you know political climate and a lot of uncertainty and you know a lot a lot of vitriol on both sides. You know, regardless of what side you're on, we're gonna get super political. Do you think this story feels more or less relevant than when it was initially published?
1: Honestly, I think it feels a bit like I, if, it, if we had done this two, two years ago when it was still DC trying to do its more darkened storytelling and everything, mm-hmm. and Marvel was having a bit of a flop with its comics, I'd say it'd be more, but I think it's at a good spot to where it's the same. It's not, it's like a time, for one thing, this was written to be a time capsule and it succeeds perfectly like you will like you can pick this up at any time and you'll know what comics were like back during the uh the silver age and a bit of the golden age as well and it just works um it just works amazingly i really think like the if you ever needed to like read a story where you didn't want it to be all about like the hope and optimism but still wanted that you still want that darkness still want that to be acknowledged and even confronted but you still need that optimism there Mm -hmm. this is the perfect story for you and it's a perfect story just to introduce you to the larger dc world it's like you got obscure characters like like we said we have the full magic council being there i'm not sure how obscure um billy is anymore now that he has a movie but it's like he has two yeah, but Zatanna is still is still technically a little bit obscure, mostly cuz she only appears in the cartoons and a few of the TV shows. She needs her she needs her movie, guys. Just have her find her dad. Come on, DC. It, it, that's literally how she was introduced. But you also have like Adam, you also have like Adam Strange. You have the Black Hawks. You have Love the Blackhawks. Yeah. You have the um what are they called? It's like I keep I keep calling Challenges them Challenges of the uh, Unknown. Yes, challengers of the unknown. Ace Morgan is yes. the goat. Yeah, Ace Morgan like, MVP for, of
0: this story. Him and King Faraday.
1: Yeah. And it's like you have all these characters who just do not have that uh who do not have the luxury of being the continuous appearing in uh other series and stuff, and they get to have their time to shine, and you get to see the interest of them and everything. It's just all there and it's all still a love letter, so everything fits you have Hal jordan's first flight you have martian manhunter who initially i thought he was drunk when he, he was appearing on the bed <laughs> but uh you have martian manhunter and you get to see him uh be a part of the hero, be a part of the heroic's everything you get to see aliens invade and a united front of just random people coming together to stop an alien invasion green arrow flies a plane it's like we don't have enough of that honestly Well, not enough of the aeroplane yeah, it's the aeroplane, but it's like Green Arrow rarely gets to fly a plane anymore, and it's like I—I I honestly forget sometimes that he is just as, if not almost, as skilled as Batman in a lot of areas. You get to see what you get to see Wonder Woman literally tackle down. uh, I'm just gonna say alien and leave it at that.
0: Are they? I mean, aliens, whatever, dinosaurs, whatever you want to call
1: them, you know, <laughs> alien dinosaurs uh but yeah you get to see all of that and it gets to be awesome and you even see uh mr king himself you get to see his awesome moment that will always be burdened to my retinas. that's a great moment it's a great moment mm-hmm. now
0: i didn't want to stop you because you were you were going off there you answered an entirely different question than what i was asking <laughs> <laughs> i oh. was asking in terms of like how well the themes of age you know because i mean there's oh, so much these... of this is like you know it's set during the cold war when tensions were high on both sides of the country like oh are you communist oh do you hate freedom oh do you hate america and you know the because of a lot of stupid culture wars that are happening right now like there to a certain degree yeah we are in a place politically that i I'm seeing a lot of, of, especially when I was reading this, I'm like, mm, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff that's being mirrored today. Uh, so in that way, I do feel like this is, this feels more relevant now than it did when it was first published in 2004. Yeah. You know, regardless of, of what side you're on, um, I think everyone can agree that tensions, specifically in, in America, I mean, all around the world, really. Uh But specifically in America, since that's what we're talking about with the new frontier, they're higher than they've been in decades, just on either side of the political spectrum. History is cyclical, you know yeah, like we're all we're all just going around in a loop, but yeah no so i would I would agree with everything you said in terms of character portrayal that has aged well uh, and is still relevant, and I think in terms of what this says about politics. I think it is still incredibly relevant. I will say, even though, like, there are some things, there are some political themes in this story that worked for the time it set in, like, for the 50s and 60s. Like, yeah, there's a sort of hopeful optimism, you know, this, this let's all band together. I don't necessarily know that a lot of those themes could be applied today in practice and work out as well. But what I will say is, like, when I went back and read this again, for this episode, it did, I did walk away from it feeling better and more hopeful and more optimistic in general, you know, about like, you know what, maybe we do have a shot at fixing things, but that's, you know, your mileage may vary on that one. Um, It could just be because I'm a sucker for the New Frontier speech and, you know, putting it over the Justice League, but that's just me. <laughs> 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 so our final little random topic question before we just talk about general favorite moments and wrap up. If the rumors regarding the new frontier as a sort of inspiration for the new DCU films is true. Would you consider this a good launching off point for the cinematic universe? Similar to how we talked about how the ultimates was the launching point in a lot of ways for the MCU.
1: I think so. Like this is a great story to work, to work with as a launching point. Uh, in, in a way, it reminds me of harkening back to some of our old episodes and stuff, but when we did our How Would We Redo the DC Universe and everything... and Our episode of Clash the Stash. Yeah, the Clash of the Stash. You used the Justice League as a launching off point for other stories instead of the other way around, mm-hmm. where it's like solo movies first, and then uh, you get the Teemo movie. I this also, week, I
0: will say, I also based my Justice League movie pitch... On new frontier. So if that sorry to interrupt you, but if that happens, <laughs> if that happens in you know reality, I just want you to know that my my sta- I mean it's already cemented, but my status as the arbiter of culture and the people's champion, it, it will just be immortalized because <laughs> I'll,
1: I'll be fucking psychic. But continue. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I feel like this is a good jumping. jumping off point especially with how it goes now obviously james gunn is putting his own spin on it because supergirl was not a part of the new frontier and it's really early for her to be introduced to something like that so i feel like it's more of like the mcu where it's based off it but it's taking a bit of something from everything like the mcu has more of the ultimate universe but it tries to keep the feeling and themes of the traditional marvel universe Mm -hmm. and New front and James Gunn, I feel like is going to do the same thing, but New Frontier is going to be his focus, and he's focused on re on some really old properties that have not seen the light of day for a while. So I feel Namely, like creature it's Namely, Creature Commandos,
0: I feel like is what you're in, uh, immediately thinking of.
1: Yes, Creature Commandos and also The Authority. It it really does it really does feel like we're going to get some interesting stories wh- from James Gunn. Really, really excited. I'm also a little bit little bit worried at the same time because i've gotten my hopes up before. we've been
0: burned before you know
1: we've we, been burns. we want to be
0: hopeful but we have we have been dragged through the mud you know we have been just beaten in the streets emotionally <laughs> by a lot of the ups and downs of the dc universe <laughs> or well dc mm-hmm. extended universe dc cinematic universe whatever you want to call the the old regime so yeah, I, I share your your cautious optimism, I think we'll say. Look, as long as this universe lasts long enough for me to finally get like that Green Lantern show. Like I just need the Superman
1: movie and I need the Green Lantern show and I need those to be good. I need Green Lantern and Supergirl to be good. Superman I have a bunch of good movies of you already. Not enough. Fine we not enough. Not enough. Because thing. I need Here's Supergirl the thing. to we, have... We hold like- on, hold on, hold on. I need Supergirl to have a good entry because CW and the old movie did not deliver yeah we need a good woman of tomorrow adaptation
0: in terms of the superman movies obviously we like the superman movies that have come before we enjoyed man of steel i mean i enjoy man of steel more than you do but we enjoy the henry cavill superman stuff for what it is we enjoy the chris reeve superman stuff for what it is i think brandon ralph got the short end of the stick superman returns is a good movie he should have been able to be superman longer but i don't think we've gotten a superman live action movie adaptation that is as faithful to what superman is and what he can and should be as real. Uh, I don't want to say real, but as hardcore comic fans would like, you know, <laughs> that, that is, is, is what I'll say. Um, so just give me the superman movie. Give me green lantern. I, here's the thing. I want the booster gold show, but green lantern and Superman are my priorities. So as long as the, the movie universe can last long enough to get me my boys then i will be happy but Mm. yeah i i I agree obviously i think this would be a good launching off point for the dcu clearly i think that since again i pitched it last year because i am the arbiter of culture Uh, (laughs) if you people don't understand the the reference i'm making as the arbiter of culture you should go back and listen to old episodes of clash of the stash and nerds talk movies where i was given that title um by the culture tristan benz I, I gave it to myself. You, you reinforced it. You, you co-signed ah. it. Because uh, you, you recognized <laughs> that I am <laughs> the true Arbiter. Um, so, yeah. As the Arbiter of Culture, I think it's time for us to move into our favorite moments uh, of this this book. So, Drew, give me, give me your first favorite moment. When, you, when I say, Drew, what's your favorite moment from New Frontier? What immediately steps and in, in, springs into your mind? Ooh. What hits you right where you live?
1: The first thing I I've already said, talked about it, but the first thing is Martian Manhunter's introduction. Mm-hmm. Just because it is such a love letter to his origin story, it's a good. Moment. I love it so much. That's a good moment. But but the second thing that I love is Green Lantern lighting up in that little temporal space. It's so we good. won't spoil
0: what that space is, but it's a great moment when he first like fully embraces his Green Lanternness. That's up there for me.
1: Yeah, it's like it's it's a gr- it's a great moment and everything. And honestly, just everything that comes with Hal afterwards is just really. It's icing. Good. On it feels the cake. it's green. Yeah, icing it's, on it's the icing cake. on the cake. Now,
0: one of one of my favorite moments. In general, this is one of my favorite. How Jordan moments, period. But right before he leaves to go off and help save the day when he and and Carol have that kiss in front of the ship. Oh, what a good moment. What a good moment for the two of them. Because it's such, that scene is just such a, a distillation of those two characters where they love each other so much, but they can't. Stand each other at all, and they're just always <laughs> arguing. And it's like, what is your problem? It's like I have to do this. It's like, no, you don't, you dumb dumb. And it's like, aren't you at least gonna say goodbye? And they like, oh my god, this lock lips. It's great stuff. But Drew,
1: continue. Okay. uh Some of the other stuff I love. It's like I love Batman's hard line when he first meets John. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, it's like, dang Batman, you really gotta go like that's that cold, That's cold-blooded. Cold-blooded, cold blooded. That's cold blooded. It's
0: we won't. We yeah, won't spoil it. We should save some of this stuff for for the audience. But I know exactly what you're talking about. It was. It's the first official meeting. We'll say between Martian Manhunter and that. It's a, yeah. It's a great moment. Um, when here's a here's a good one. Excuse me. When Captain Cold is you know attacking the 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 um
1: was it a boxing tournament?
0: Yeah, because it was it was Muhammad yeah. Ali versus Wildcat, which is crazy.
1: Uh. <laughs> you know. who would win muhammad ali or wildcat i mean it's like muhammad beats superman wildcat. But wildcat. Yeah, yeah but that was years later
0: you know that was when he was more seasoned. the only justification i give for wildcat beating uh muhammad ali and this is because it, w- it was still when muhammad ali was on the rise you know he wasn't at his peak yet and wildcat he was he was he was this was his last hurrah but anywho um when captain cold attacks and flash realizes iris is in danger and he just whoosh, just zoom that's a that's a great moment anytime you got a superhero like w- dropping everything or I, i'm a, I'm a big sucker for romance so anytime you got a super going to save the person they love or just having a good moment with the person they love like oh my good oh my goodness it gets me at the end with the moment with superman and lois that gets me every time um me think what's the really the entire final sequence set to the new frontier speech is one of my favorite sequences in all of comics like it just really yeah it gets me it gets me and that final final end of like oh you know what is it like oh no don't worry they're here it's gonna be okay like i think that's that's just one of my favorite dc moments period there's so many fantastic moments in this book and yeah that's
1: oh i wanted to talk about mm-hmm. one more oh yeah go we ahead move on so one of my favorite scenes is when is when uh superman visits diana on paradise island mm-hmm. and it's this real serious talk where superman is like he wants to know why he left but it's like oh i didn't leave i was forced out because of my beliefs and it's both and it's like Cal being told like look i can see like the Amer- America is an ideal, not an administration, but you need to as well, and you need to be the leader that can lead these new groups of heroes and everything. You are literally the embodiment in your strength and values of and spirit and compassion, and it's just like to it's like for it's like to see that happen, and also knowing my knowledge of the Trinity with Wonder Woman, Superman, and Batman, it's so true. It's it's one of those things of why superman is like the centerpiece of the DC universe and it's it's just superman is the um embodiment of those amazing ideals. Mm-hmm. Wonder Woman, it, Wonder Woman and Batman both embody the I- ideals as well, but no one does it as good as Superman.
0: They all do it in different ways, but Superman yeah. is the most, I guess, pure in the same way that this story is one of the most pure uh distillations of the DC universe. And you know, what you're saying where she has them moment where she's like, hey, like America, like the America we were fighting for, that's not what it is right now. Like America is an ideal, not an administration. And that ties back into what we were talking about with these character portrayals, where even though, yes, this Wonder Woman is, is more martial, she is still more, I don't want to say aware than Superman, but in general, I think Wonder Woman in most portrayals. Has always been, and for better and worse, depending on (laughs) whether or not we're talking about injustice, but Wonder Woman has been more, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess I'll say aware and willing to act on specific beliefs that she thinks, and she, well, and I I agree, but like beliefs that she believes are like, you know, human rights are just truths, whereas, but there are things that others might consider political, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And Superman in this is such like an almost authority administrative, like centralist figure who he's not agreeing with what the administration is doing, but he's like, well, it's the government, you know? And Diana's like, no, like you got to put on your big boy pants, your big boy red shorts, and you got to step up. And I think that's such a, even though it's one of the more understated arcs of the story, I think that is such a good arc. And it's such a good Superman arc specifically, because for so much of his power he never wants to overstep but by avoiding overstepping she's like no you're not doing enough like you have to like get off your ass spaceman is essentially what she's yeah. saying.
1: i also forget like if the amazon's uh unique backstory with their shackles is from the golden or silver age but it's like wonder woman is from a is from a culture where they were originally like slaves and they were freed mm-hmm. from that slavery and everything and it's like they understand human ri- human rights and what it meant to fight for them and everything it's like Wonder Woman might not have been born during that age but she's no doubt heard it yeah, from she, her and she was raised sisters. with those
0: values for you know the hundreds of years depending on yeah. the hundreds of years the 30 years the thousands of years depending
1: on who's writing we don't know she doesn't age she's yeah. an Amazon she'll always look like that until like probably like her end days but it's like you get it like she's it's like she was raised and brought up around those values yeah uh
0: other another favorite moment just everything with the john henry character who we didn't really touch on um yeah but it's just like it's some of the heavier stuff in this story but it's just so goddamn good and heartbreaking every time and he's such a cool you know player.
1: anything about the fictional john henry irons this is this is gonna like hit you a bit well this isn't even john henry irons this is just like, yeah i know it's just like you know like he's based off of him it's like
0: it's oh you mean you mean the character john henry yeah, yeah you said you said john henry irons i'm like this isn't steel
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i know yeah i know but it's like isn't it, it's like aren't like one of them based off the other like no. they're literally like no?
0: Nope. No, I mean... That is a huge
1: coincidence. Man. I mean,
0: at the end of the story, you see a young John Henry Irons, like, reading about... You're sitting in front of the grave of this this vigilante John Henry. But no, they're not... Because this character was, you know, 2004. Steel was already, you know, around in the 90s. Oh, yeah, I mean he's heavily based on the the folk character John Henry, you know the, the steel driving man, and we get a lot of the the you know quotations of that story in the sequences featuring him. But yeah, no, he's he's his own character. I mean now for some reason John or Jeff Johns is bringing some character named John Henry Junior into continuity because it's just we can't leave good stories alone but that's you know that's that's a whole other conversation point being everything with john henry is is fantastic um really in in general like obviously darwin cook's writing is just top tier like he really gets the dc universe and distills it into its purest form but his art like his pencils and inks are incredible and that's also why I had to give such a big shout out to Dave Stewart, because the colors in this are incredible. Moments like Superman flying in space with the challengers, you know, like I mentioned Hal and Carol kissing in front of the ship, the uh the big moment where it's like, okay, all the heroes are finally together, they're walking towards the reader. The entire last sequence, you know, during the new Frontier speech is all beautifully rendered. And so many characters and moments ha- also have such unique lettering that I we have to shout out Jared K. Fletcher. Like even just the sound effects uh well, I guess not sound effects, but you know what I mean. Like the onomatopoeias. is just when it's a big boom, crash, whatever, like that sort of 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 stuff, like Fletcher nailed it. Uh it's it's this is just stem to stern, I think, one of the best put together comics that there is. And it's definitely one of the best put together DC comics. Drew, anything else you want to say about New Frontier before we wrap this bad boy up?
1: I think I'm good. I think I've said all I needed to, and I want people to go read this. To yeah, read this, the rest everybody, of
0: it. please. It's fantastic. We tried not to spoil too much. But it's just man, it's a it's a damn good story. And everyone should peep game, as the as the kids say. I don't know if the kids still say that, but I'm saying that. So <laughs> go read the New Frontier. But mm-hmm. Drew. What are you working on? And where can the people find you if they want to talk to you about the New Frontier?
1: Uh, if they want to talk to me about the New Frontier, look me up on the socials. I am on Instagram and Twitter, and you can find me at DrewGarrison underscore. It's like I would love to just talk New Frontier. Just talk New Frontier. It's like man. ask me, Yeah, it's Chop like it or, up. or Martian Manhunter or or um Hal Jordan or really anything with comics. Like just hit me up, guys. Hit him up. Hit me up. Hit him up. Do it. Now, what are you working on though? Ah, I'm on my youtube channel uh got a little bit delayed due to personal issues, but that Kingdom Hearts video I am setting to release it at the time of this recording It's going to be released first week first uh week of may that's so. coming
0: up that's coming up this will probably this will hopefully be out you know by then so hopefully by the time you're listening to this episode, you can turn this off and you can go uh watch Drew's very interesting Kingdom Hearts video that he's been teasing
1: for the last few episodes of The Long Box Hunters. Yes, I have because I've been trying to get the, because I've been trying to match up release schedules, but it's been hard. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, so I might just so I might just release stuff and then you can guess the recording date by what projects are coming out. you will trying it out. to get s-
0: you, you guys are smart. You guys are smart cookies, you know, listeners, audience. You'll if you want our content, you'll find it. <laughs> work for yeah. it we're doing, we're doing yeah, this for refer- free you can put yeah, it you're effort. looking
1: for this ki- yeah if you're looking for my kingdom hearts video it's going to be called replica hearts
0: there you go and so once you are done listening to long box hunters you can go watch drew's replica hearts video and then once you're done watching that you're head that blah, blah, blah. you can head on over to i'm tired man i'm tired i'm vitamin i can c- tell I'm you am vitamin.
1: slip over your words i tell much.
0: you what i'm vitamin b or no vitamin c and d deficient You know, I'm just a sleepy little boy. I'm just a sleepy little king. All right. Despite being 6'2 and, you know, over 200 pounds, 26 years old. I'm a a man. Anyway, once you're (laughs) done watching Replica Hearts, you can head on over to Screen Rant. See, I got through it that time. Where you can catch up on all my latest articles, because I get paid for you. If you want to read about, you know, Iron Man and, and Black Panther overcoming something that's Mr. Fantastic's greatest obstacle, you know, check it out. If you want to read about Colossus's new power-up, hey, fucking do it, bro. Like, read it. And then, you know, maybe you can angrily slide into my DMs on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok, at BatKissueBenz, as some people have done in the past when they didn't like that I said Cascade should be the new Batman. Ha! Maybe right? She'd be a great Batman. But I yeah. digress. When you're done checking out our socials, you should go check out the new Patreon for the Nerdstash Network. We got all sorts of goodies. You know, we wanted to make sure that none of our actual episodes and, and you know content really were behind a paywall because we want to make sure that you guys can You know, really enjoy yourselves listening to our melodic voices for free. But there's all sorts of cool behind-the-scenes stuff. You'll get to pick topics for episodes that we're doing. You know, maybe we'll do a a tier where let you guys pick episodes for your topics for Longbox Hunters. We'll see. I don't know. I'm a little bit of a control freak, so that probably won't happen. But we'll figure something out, okay? That being said, if you ever want to just come into the Nerdstash Network Discord, Maybe, you know, you can give me a suggestion there, and I'll think about it. Otherwise, you can just talk to us and a whole bunch of other nerdy people about all sorts of nerd things. Alright, it's a fun time. We like to talk comics, obviously, but we're talking video games, we're talking movies, we're talking just regular memes. You know? It's a great space for nerds, young and old. And the links for both the Patreon and the Discord will be in the description of this episode. Now... When you're done looking at that description, I know I'm giving you a whole to-do list here, but hey, everyone needs some structure now and then. Consider leaving us a rating on whatever platform you're listening to us on. I would prefer if it was something positive. If it's something negative, well, I'm probably not going to acknowledge it because I just refuse to acknowledge criticism unless it's constructive. And I have a very narrow definition of constructive. But (laughs) that is about it drew anything else you want to add before we hit the old dusty trail into that new frontier
1: nah i think
0: i'm good let's hit that trail let's hit that dusty trail so go read new frontier and we will talk to you guys soon peace